So we finished up our series on 1 Peter last week. For those of you who are part of the church, engage with the church regularly, you know we've been teaching through. We wrapped up 1 Peter last week. And so now as we're kind of in between and praying, okay, God, what are we going to talk about on this beautiful celebration Sunday? If you remember last time we took a pause in the sermon series, we looked at the importance of knowing God by name. Time and time again throughout Scripture, you see a command to praise God according to his name and to give him honor and glory and worship according to his name. And so God places a tremendous amount of significance on his name in Scripture. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at another name of God so that we can know him by his name and praise him accordingly. And so it seemed right and fitting that considering where we just came out of and what we were doing today, that we look at a name related to joy and celebration. We wrapped up 1 Peter, which the theme of 1 Peter is victory, even in the middle of hardships, even in the middle of trials, where Peter's writing this incredible letter of encouragement to the church, facing persecution, and he's saying, hey, don't forget eternal victory is yours in Christ. And so with that in mind, with what we did today, we're going to look at a name of God and a title of God. And the prayer is that we come away from this just continuing to celebrate and rejoice in who God is and how he has made himself known to us. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for all the many reasons you give us to rejoice. And we thank you that foundational at the core of every one of those reasons is you, is Jesus, is what happened for us on the cross, the grace and the mercy that was poured out for us, the justice that was met and served, the righteousness that was imputed to us, God. It all flows from who you are. And so, Lord, today we rejoice in who you are. As we continue to worship by opening your word, Lord, may we submit to it. May we be molded by it, shaped by it, conformed to it. May your word dictate our thoughts, our approach to life. We trust you with these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Exodus 17, we see the name of God, Jehovah Nissi. And in Exodus 17, you have the really cool story that gets talked a lot about in the kids' wing, and then I think sometimes as adults we forget about it. Uh, the Amalekites refused to allow Israel to pass through their lands, and so Israel had to go to war with this tribe. And while they were fighting, Moses took the rod of God, the standard of God, a banner of God, and he held it aloft in the air, holding up this rod of the Lord as a symbol of victory. And as long as Moses' arm was in the air, Israel won the fight. And when his arm got tired and began to droop, the Amalekites would start to win the fight and start to push back. And so it's when they brought stones for him to sit on and two people held his arms up so that God's standard of victory, the symbol of the Lord's might and power, would be held aloft for everyone to see. And at the end of it, when Israel has won the battle, Exodus 17, 15, it says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. And so Jehovah Nissi means, it's, it's from Yahweh, so it's, in the Hebrew it's actually Nissi Yahweh, but it means God, my standard of victory. Anybody seen the movie Patriot? The Patriot? Mel Gibson, where he saved us from England? And there's a scene towards the end of the movie where the American, the Continental Army, is starting to lose and get pushed back. And the guy who was holding the flag is scared and is running. And he starts to drop the flag. 
And Mel Gibson goes running over, he grabs the flag, the standard of victory, and he charges back at the enemy. And this rallies everyone else and they charge and they take the hill and it's this great moment because the soldiers are following their victory standard into war because that symbol to them, that was their identity. That was their rallying point. That's what led them. This is the idea of God, my victory standard. If you look at the victory standard in the Roman army's life, it was incredibly significant. Soldiers would die before they would allow the enemy to capture this or to take this. There were wars fought just to reclaim a previously lost standard, victory standard. So it is no small thing that God is known as Jehovah Nissi, our victory standard. It goes back to First Peter's or Peter's letter, First Peter, where he talks about victory in Christ through Christ alone. And so, related to that idea, you have so if God is our victory standard, then what is our response as we know Him as Jehovah Nissi? Well, you also see David call Him El Simach Gili, and this means God, my exceeding joy. We see this in Psalm forty-three. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? If you recall last week's message on 1 Peter 5, when we looked at eternal perspective versus earthly perspective, where are our eyes set? David lays this out here in verse 2. Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Matthew Henry describes it this way. He says, those that come unto God must come to Him as their exceeding joy. Not only as their future bliss. I think sometimes the church and Christians make the mistake of talking about joy and peace in a future tense. And that's true, but there is joy and peace in the present tense. And so we talk about joy and peace as if it's something that just one day will get here. One day we will have joy. One day we will have peace. Yeah, it'll be perfect. Heaven. But we have joy and peace today. Because God is God, our exceeding joy. And Henry goes on and he says, not only as their future bliss, but as their present joy, and that not a common, but an exceeding joy, far exceeding all the joys of sense and time. Nehemiah 8, 9 and 10. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you remember last week in the sermon, if you were here last week, and I realize for a lot of you, you're like, no, so it's okay. Last week, we looked at John 10.10, the first half. 
Talking about in 1 Peter 5, it says your adversary, the devil. So we looked at John 10.10 to know our enemy. And it says in John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But there's a second half to that verse. And then Jesus in John 10.10 goes on and he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And all of these things tie back to John 15.11 when Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus doesn't give out half portions. Jesus doesn't dole out scraps. He doesn't say, I came that they may have life and have it kind of meagerly just enough to scrape by. He says, no, I came that my sheep might have life and have it abundantly, overflowing. My joy is in you so that your joy may be full. David in Psalm 23, arguably the most famous psalm, says, What the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we take that to mean, I just don't want other things in a materialistic way. No, what that word in the language actually means is, I lack nothing. I have the fullness of what I need. What is that fullness? God, my exceeding joy. I mean, Christian. Does your life reflect this? When the world looks at the church, do they see a church of exceeding joy? Because God's our victory standard, Jehovah Nissi. We know where the battle's going. We know what the outcome is. We see that flag raised high of victory, and so that fills us with joy. Because we know God as Jehovah Nissi. We know Him as El Samach Gili. Listen to Psalm 21, verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7. O Lord, in Your strength the King rejoices, and in Your salvation how greatly He exults. You have given Him His heart's desire and have not withheld the request of His lips. Selah. That word selah means pause, pause, consider what was just said. David saying, hey, look, pause and reflect on what I just wrote. What did he just write? You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Pause. Okay, so what is David's heart's desire? What is David's request? As you go on, as you read, you see, you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Church, it's joy. One of the great privileges, one of the great rights of the Christian, one of the greatest gifts bestowed to the believer is joy. And if you think the world is not desperately lacking this, turn on the news channel for all of 10 seconds and tell me that joy is not lacking in this world. But for the believer, it is not so. 
For the believer, we follow Jehovah Nissi, the standard of victory. For the believer, we have received salvation from El Samach, Gili, God, my exceeding joy. And in this joy, in this salvation, I will stand firm and I will not be moved. This is what God's Word says. Amen, man. I mean, that's fireworks. That's a party all day long. That's not life is sunshine and roses and there's never any difficulty. We literally just finished a letter all about difficulty. But the theme of that was even in the difficulty, there's joy and there's victory. There's God, my victory standard. There's God, my exceeding joy. Consider one of the most famous passages taken out of context. And I say most famous passages taken out of context because you hear this voice all the time but people like to just pull out the one verse without the preceding verses. This is Philippians 4, verse 4, and then verses 11 to 13. In verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Always, always. Are things good? Rejoice. Are things bad? Rejoice. Are things neutral and just kind of lukewarm? Rejoice. Is it a normal day? Rejoice. Is it a hard day? Rejoice. Do you have a lot to give? Rejoice. Do you not have anything? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then as he continues in his letter, he gets to the how and the why. In verse 11, Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We can have joy. Wait a minute. He didn't use the word joy. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Okay, tie scripture together. None of this is independent from itself. Go back to Nehemiah. What is the source of our strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So he strengthens me with his joy in abundance, in full, so that I can do all things regardless of my circumstances. What are those things that Paul called us to earlier in the chapter? Rejoice always. What did Peter remind the church of throughout his letter? Victory in Christ. It's, it's unbelievable. This privilege that has been granted to us. 1 Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Come on, church. That's our life as followers of Christ. Joy. Victory. Consider the people of history. Consider the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Their Lord and Savior has just been crucified. Things cannot look any worse than they do. They're walking. I have to imagine, and this is totally hypothetical, let me make that clear. The Bible just says they're walking. But I have to imagine with the weight of what has just happened, it's more of a trudge. It's more of a feeling the weight of what's just transpired. And what happens in the road on Emmaus? Jesus appears and walks with them. And when they realize it's Jesus, they use one of Matt's favorite verses. 
And they say, did our hearts not feel lighter? Like, did our hearts not celebrate within us when he was with us? Consider Esther. Her people are facing extinction. Consider Ruth. Her husband has died. She's transplanted to a new country where she knows no one and they're in poverty. She has to go collect scraps from the field. Consider Joseph's story. Really all of Joseph's story. But consider his father Jacob where he thinks that his son is dead. And then he finds out, no, no, your son's not dead. Oh, good. Your other son sold him into slavery. I mean, you talk about a 180 of emotions, but how does Jacob respond? He rejoices. He doesn't get hung up on the negative. He doesn't say, okay, well, before I'm going to go celebrate Joseph, I'm going to dress down you other sons, and I'm going to rip you apart. No, he rejoices, and he's like, we got to go to him. We got to celebrate this. Consider the feast of the return of the prodigal son. I mean, throughout Scripture, and these are just a handful of stories. Throughout Scripture, consider how often we see God give His people joy when to the outside eye it might have seemed like a joyless situation. There's no way this could be redeemed. There's no way things are getting better. And God gives joy. Why? Because God is Jehovah Nissi. God, my victory standard. God, my banner. It's only going to get harder for the church. If you've read Revelation, you know that it gets a lot worse for the church before it gets better, at least in terms of what we physically experience. So, we can either choose to focus on that. We can either get overwhelmed and become cynical and pessimistic, and we can just spend our days reading all the headlines that make us freak out, and we can spend all our days obsessing over things we have no control over, and we can just wake up and feel despondent and broken down, and, man, what's the point? Or, we can say, wait a minute, God is Jehovah Nissi. Wait a minute, God is El Sema Gili. I woke up victorious today. I woke up with a source of exceeding joy today. So that's how I'm going to live today. We could look at whatever study, survey you want to say that people are less interested in truth than ever before. I don't think that's the case because Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So if you think people being uninterested in God is new, go read Genesis. People have been uninterested in God from day one. Or we can look and say, man, we've got three youth who want to declare to the world, I belong to Jesus and I will live for him. And we can celebrate. We can look at all the numbers about church depleting, church people aren't interested in going anymore. Or we can say, man, are you kidding me? We had six families say, I choose commitment. I choose membership. I choose a covenant responsibility to these people, to the bride of Christ. And we can rejoice. I mean, you all made me a shirt that says I'm excited. So I think you know where I stand on the side of cynicism or joy. My man, Gene. But guys, it's not because I'm special. It's because Jesus died for me.
and I'm going to spend eternity with him. And that's all the reason I need to be excited about life. If you're a believer, that's all the reason you need to be excited about life is the person and promise and character of God. So church, not just today. I mean, today we saw very tangible reasons to celebrate. But guess what? When we wake up tomorrow in our own homes, what happened today is still true. So let's celebrate. Let's follow our victory standard. Let's be people of exceeding joy. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we, we fall to our knees and we praise you for being Jehovah Nissi. Lord, that whatever the battle might look like as it rages on around us, we can lift our eyes and we can see the flag of victory. We can see the standard unchanged. We lift our eyes to Jesus on the throne and we see victory. God, we recognize that there are days where emotionally we may not be happy. We recognize that things come and happen that emotionally cause us to not be happy, but we recognize that you have given us joy in the full. That we are indwelt by the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And Lord, we praise you for this gift, for these promises. We praise you for who you are and how we can know you. May we be a church that knows you in this way and reflects that to the world, desperately missing this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.